0: Good morning, so thankful to see each of you here today. We're going to talk this morning about moderation, the virtue of moderation. Let your moderation be known. This comes in the midst of a section here where Paul is giving some general admonitions and exhortations to the church. Beginning there with verse 4, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say, rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. And so here in the midst of this, uh, these ag- exhortations, these admonitions, he says, to let your moderation be known unto all men, the Lord is at hand. And so the virtue referred to in this verse is a very important one when you think about it. And it's well worth the time in this lesson to take a closer look at it. So exactly what is moderation? What does it mean to be moderate? And so we see it by the the nature of this word. Now we're going to be looking at the the Greek word. Uh, The Greek word is uh, epikeia. Epikeia. uh, is one of the most, according to Barclay, one of the most untranslatable words in Greek. And so you can see that by just looking at our English versions of the Bible, various ways it's translated. You know, Wycliffe's Bible... Uh, one of the first English translations used the word patience. Tyndale and Cranmer's Bible, one that came sometime later, used the word softness. The Geneva Bible, which was uh, incidentally the, the Bible used by the, the pilgrims, uh, translated it the patient mind. Rhymes Bible, modesty. The American Standard Version, 1901, forbearance. Uh, Arnold's translation, Matthew Arnold, uh, sweet reasonableness. The New King James uses the word gentleness, the English Standard Version uses the word reasonableness, and the New American Standard uses gentle spirits. And so even the King James Version translates the same word uh, several different ways. Sometimes it's translated as gentle. We see that in Titus chapter 3 verses 1 and 2. Put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work, to speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers, but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. Uh, James 3, 17, But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. First Peter 2, 18, Servants, be subject unto your masters with all fear, uh, not only for the good and to the good and gentle, but also to the froward. Uh, it's translated patient in 1 Timothy three and verse three, talking about the qualifications of the elders there to not be given to wine, no striker, not given or greedy of filthy lucre, but patient, not a brawler, not covetous. And then again in our text, it's translated moderation. Now a description of the word moderation from Erdman's Bible Dictionary it says it describes that courtesy and graciousness which should characterize a Christian gentleman. The term indicates something of the power of yielding, the ability to give way to the wishes of others, the poise of soul which enables one to sacrifice his own rights, not by necessity but out of generosity and sympathy. It is the opposite of stubbornness and thoughtlessness. William Hendrickson's commentary says here, the Christian cannot truly be happy without striving to be a blessing to others. Hence, Paul says, let your big-heartedness be known to everybody. Now, he says, for big-heartedness, you may substitute any of the following. Forbearance, yieldedness, geniality, kindliness, gentleness, Sweet reasonableness, considerateness, charitableness, mildness, magnanimity, I'm not going to say that word, generosity. All of these qualities are taken together in the adjective or noun that is used in the original Greek text. Taken together, these show the real meaning. When each of these would-be English equivalents is taken by itself alone, it becomes clear that not a single word in English in the English language, there is not one that fully expresses the meaning of the original Greek word. And so we see also that, that this word, this idea, is embodied in the man Jesus himself. Now Paul says, I, I myself beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in presence am base among you, but being absent and bold toward you. Here uh, the word epikeia, epikeia, is uh, coupled with the Greek word prautes, which is translated meekness here. Some consider that the idea of equity and justice, which are essential to the meaning of uh, epikeia, do not adequately express or can't be adequately expressed in English. In contrast with prautes or meekness, uh, which is more especially a temperament or habit of mind, epikeia, Aa expresses an an active dealing with others. And so it's like, you know, meekness is uh, an internal virtue, whereas it is expressed in moderation. It is expressed in gentleness. It is expressed in patience. It is expressed in this concept we're looking at, the the virtue of moderation. And so, uh, how do we uh, display moderation? You know, uh, it is to be a personal quality of all Christians. He says, let your moderation be known unto all men. And so it is something that should be seen in each Christian. All of us, all Christians are to display this virtue. Again, Titus chapter 3 verses 1 and 2 says, put them in mind, he's talking about the brethren there, he's talking about Christians, to be subject to principalities, powers, obey, magistrates, ready to every good work, speak evil of no men, be no brawlers, but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. Again, notice he says, be gentle, showing all meekness. That's how we show meekness is with our gentleness, with our moderation. Uh, elders especially must uh, display this virtue. Again, uh, as we just looked at it in 1 Timothy 3 and verse 3, they are to be patient. They are to, to be uh, moderate. They are to be gentle towards all men. Uh, and so should teachers. Uh, in 2 Timothy 2, verses 24 through 26, though he doesn't use the same word here, the same concept though is here. It says, The servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, if God, peradventure, will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, who are taken captive by him at his will. And so for good reason it is part of the heavenly wisdom which descends from above in James chapter 3 and verse 17. Again, uh, uh, talking about the wisdom uh, there in that, in that passage he's comparing the, the wisdom that cometh not from above where uh, comes strife and fighting and, and wars and all the things that, that are going on. But here he says the wisdom that is from above is pure, uh, peaceable, gentle, easy to be treated. You know, how do we know if someone has wisdom? We see it in the way they live. We see this wisdom displayed in moderation and displayed in their gentleness. And so those also who exhibit the fruit of the spirits cannot help but display this virtue, for they are part and parcel with it. Notice Galatians 5, and 23. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness. Again, not the same word, but the same concept. Goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And so it is to be a personal quality of all Christians. It is something that is to be on display to all. We're to treat all people in this way. He says, let your moderation be known unto all men. And so to everyone, in every place, in every way that we can, we allow uh, our gentleness to be known. We allow our uh, patience to be known. You know, uh, the, the lesson which Paul teaches is that true blessedness cannot be obtained by the person who rigorously insists on whatever he wants or as, what he regards as his just due. You know, over in, in the 1 Corinthians letter, in, in chapter 6, they're beginning at verse 1, down to verse 7 here, you know, Paul is talking about those that are that are taking one another to court. They're so petty that they cannot settle their own problems among themselves. He says, Dare any of you, having a matter against another, go to law before the unjust, and not before the saints? Do you not know that the saints shall judge the world? And if the world shall be judged by you, are ye unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Know ye not that we shall judge angels? How much more things that, that pertain to this life? If then you have judgment of things pertaining to this life, set them to the judge, who are at least esteemed in the church. I speak to your shame. Is it so that there is not a wise man among you? No. Uh, not one that shall be able to judge between his brethren. But brother goeth the law with brother, and that before the unbelievers. Now Paul gives the answer on, on what they should be doing. He says, Now therefore, there is utterly a fault among you, because you go to law one with another. He says, why do you not rather suffer or take wrong? Why do you not rather suffer yourselves to be defrauded? And so Paul is getting at, it's better to suffer wrong than to inflict wrong. And so sometimes, you know, we see all throughout the 1 Corinthians letter how Paul talks about his various privileges that he has, that he willingly gives up for the sake of others. The eating of meat and things like that. He gives them up. Even though He's entitled to them, He doesn't insist on them so that He can help others come to Christ. And that's exactly what He's saying here. Why not allow yourselves to to suffer wrong? Why not let yourselves be defrauded rather than fight and bite and devour one another? And so uh, sweet reasonableness, moderation is an essential ingredient to true happiness. Now, such big-heartedness, such forbearance, the patience willing to yield uh, wherever yielding is possible without violating any real principle, must be shown to all, and not only to fellow believers. And so, on display to all men, rather than always insisting that we have it our way in everything, sometimes just give way. You know, the hard task and the real test... Uh, is to display this moderation toward uh, those that are unkind. You know, what happens when someone is, treats us unkindly? When someone does us wrong? You know, a lot of times we get the attitude, you know, you mess with me, I'm going to hurt you. And, and that is not the attitude that we have. When, when someone is unkind, we are still to treat them with gentleness. And that's hard. I have a hard time with that. Uh, we're to have moderation, we're to to be gentle toward even the thankless, those that that don't care, those that could care less about you or or what you think or what you believe or what you want. We're even to show it to them. And uh, it's really difficult when it comes to those that maybe are perverse, those that are, uh, you know, there's some bad people in this world. I used to to go to the the jail there in in, uh, Lexington and teach a Bible class on every other Sunday. And uh, some of the folks in there, I got to know because they were there for a long time. Some were there on pre-release. They spend maybe a year to a year and a half there before being released after spending the bulk of their uh, sentence in the the state prison. And so uh, some were waiting trial. Uh, some were awaiting sentencing. Some were waiting just to be transferred to a, to a different jail. And so I got to know several of them through the years, and one of them that I, I had a pretty good discussion with, a pretty good relationship with. Uh, to, you know, we were exchanging letters, and uh, we were doing uh, some correspondence courses. Well, I made the mistake of looking this fellow up. For whatever reason, I decided, oh, let's just Google him. Well, you know, he told me he was getting ready to go do hard time probably for the rest of his life. And I was like, what did he do? Well, he's a third-time offender as a child molester. My attitude toward that guy changed. And it was hard for me to continue to treat him the way I had before because that is the most heinous crime, in my opinion. And um, that's where... It really gets difficult because not everybody, but you know, people like that still need the gospel. They still need to be saved; their soul. Jesus died for them as well, and so we need to keep that in mind, and we need to treat them with gentleness, though we may want to lash out at them. And you know, yeah, you know, my first thought when I looked up that guy was, "Oh man, you know, I hope he rots forever in jail." And that's not right at all. And so, um, anyway. We've got to put on and we've got to have that kind of really love for others, a gentleness, that meekness expressed in in action toward others. And and so, uh, let your moderation be known unto all men. And then we get to the reason and the motive for uh, displaying this moderation. He says, the Lord is at hand. You know, it may possibly mean that the Lord is nearby. We know that Jesus said, I am with you always, even until the end of the age or even the end of the world. He is always there, He is always at hand. You know, God is not a God that is afar off, God is a God that is at hand. So it could be saying, Let your moderation be known unto all men uh, because the Lord is near. Or it could mean, or it could refer to either meeting the Lord at death. Or at the final coming. And so the Lord is at hand. Uh, Be uh, moderation it to all men because the Lord is at hand. The end of all things may be at hand. All things of this earth. Both events are always imminent. My death or the Lord's return. And so he who is our judge is ever watchful. Ever aware of our conduct and treatment of others. You know, and and it's very hypocritical on one uh, one hand to say that we love God and that we love the souls of men and we want them all to go to heaven and then to turn around in the same breath and uh, mistreat your fellow man. You know, one day we're going to have to answer to the judge. The same judge that they are going to answer to. And we're going to receive the deeds done in our bodies, whether good or bad, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10. And so, let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. And there is also an inherent danger in failing to do so in not displaying moderation. You know, if we are not gentle in our treatment of others, do we expect Him to be gentle in His treatment of us? You know, remember the parable of the unforgiving servants. Look over with me in Matthew chapter eighteen, beginning in verse twenty-one. We find this parable. Should be, I'm sure, it's familiar to all of us. But he says, uh, it says here. Oops, that's twenty-one eighteen. Got it records here. And it says, then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him till seven times? Peter thinks, well, I'm being generous. I'll forgive him till seven times. Jesus said to him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. And we have begun to reckon one was brought unto him, which owed ten thousand talents, I got a little note there, it says that's $180 million according to um, the price of gold in November of last year, $180 million, for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, and his wife and children and all that he had in payment be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debts. And so we see here this master, he's owed a gigantic sum of money by this man that he knows who can never, ever, ever repay it. Instead of demanding his just due, instead of demanding that he gets what he has coming to him, he is willing to forgo it. He is displaying this virtue of moderation, this patience, this gentleness, He had compassion, he loosed him and forgave him the debts. But the servants went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence, and laid his hands on him, and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. And this fellow fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. And he would not. But he went and cast him into prison till he shall pay the debt. And so this man received this great mercy. His master was gentle towards him. And yet he would not even so much as forgive even the slightest debt of one of his fellow servants. And so he had him cast into prison. Verse 31, so when this fellow servant... His fellow servants saw what was done. They were very sorry and came and told unto their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after that, he had called him and said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt because thou desirest me. Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wrong and delivered him to the tormentors, till he shall pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. Again, this idea of moderation is uh, seen in a willingness to forgive. A willingness to, to set aside that which you know, is my due or what I want for the sake of others. And so uh, the, the warning is here. If we do not show mercy, if we do not act in gentleness or moderation towards all men, the Lord is at hand. He will know. And think about the punishments that was given to this servant. Likewise to those that will not forgive one another. And we see also the warning in James 2 and verse 13. For he shall have judgment without mercy, that showed no mercy, and mercy rejoiceth against judgments. And so the display of the virtue of moderation, of gentleness, patience, uh, has great advantages. It can contribute much to the comfort of life and the peace of society by reducing friction between people. You think about how many conflicts start out because we miscommunicate with one another. And we take things that are said the wrong way. Or, you know, uh, what we say, uh, we overreact to things. Notice Proverbs chapter 15, verse 1. It says, simply a soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. You know, a soft answer comes from. The moderation, the peaceableness, the uh, gentleness of spirits. And it turns away wrath, or it often does. You know, we're to live peaceably as much as lieth within us. Uh, In Romans chapter 12, verse 18, uh, we're to let as much as lieth in us to live peaceably with all men. Uh, We're to do our parts by being gentle, by showing moderation, by expressing our meekness with soft words, kind words. He says, grievous words, though, they stir up anger. They do the opposite. And so you think about so much of the problems in this world. If we would just be gentle with one another, patient with one another, if we would forbear one another, if we would just express meekness in the way we interact with one another, it can contribute to promoting the gospel of Christ. Uh, you know, as we demonstrate by our example, the gentleness found throughout the gospel message. You think about the, the the person of Jesus and all that he went through in his life, all the the persecution, all of the the the, the backbiting, the lying that was done about him, the false accusations that were made about him, uh, the terrible uh, beatings that he took, the crucifixion. All of that, he took it. He did it uh, and displayed this moderation. He did not uh, fight fire with fire. He was gentle. He was meek. And when we are like that in our lives, people see that quality of Jesus in us. And that is the only way we can lead others to Christ. If we're harsh, and if we're not gentle, and if we are uh, overly judgmental, whatever, we're not going to lead anybody to Christ. We've got to be a gentle people. And may we ever be, because the Lord is at hand. You know, the, the, the Lord being at hand implies perhaps that He's coming soon. Now again, again, we don't know when. We've got to live as if He's coming now. We've got to live every moment of our life as if this is the last moment until He comes. We've got to be faithful to Him. We've got to be, uh, become a, a child of God through our faith and our repentance, our confession of His name, our baptism into His death. And then, like He was baptized into death, uh, He rose to walk in newness of life, we do so as well. When we are baptized into His death, when we arise from the watery grave of baptism, and we walk following His example in the newness of life. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Today, if you're here and you're not a Christian, we urge you to put on Christ in baptism. If you are a Christian but haven't been faithful as one as a child of God, we urge you to repent and come back. This morning, if we can help you to respond to the Lord's invitation, let us know as we stand and as we sing.